His uh, have you seen the Wellington Terman fight? Oh, that that fight was so bad. And the, the worst part is that he he thought he won that, and he, he like, bro, you didn't do shit. Like all you did was getting kicked in the dick. That's that, that was your contribution to that fight. He was so fucking mad that he didn't win the fight off of the double point deduction. He's always so mad when when he loses. No, but he was like he was like storming around the cage, going, "All of these judges need to be fired." Yeah. <laughs> And, and it like I think it was the second round. He got hugged, tornadoed in the leg, and it tripped him. God, I, I'm so upset we we don't get to cover Sam Alvey. I know, right? <laughs> I had so much to say about him. I, mean, I was so confident he was going to knock out Phil Hawks. <laughs> Welcome to episode number five of the Forbidden Technique podcast on the Fight Site Podcast Network. I'm Silas Martin, as always, joined by Christian Reynolds. And today, we've got our first guest on the show, a guy who, if you frequent the site, I'm sure needs no introductions. Everybody's boy, Fanyo. How's it going, Fanyo? Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, what's up, guys? Doing pretty good. Very excited to be here with you guys. See, after we did our first episode, Fanyo very graciously sent Christian a message offering to come on the show. And I think his specific words uh, after I had introduced this podcast as the podcast where we're going to be breaking down all the stupid bad fights that nobody cares about. And Fanny was like, I'm down to come on the show, talk about some stupid bad fights. That's what I do. <laughs> so I held him to that. And today we're doing this Jack Hermanson versus Sean Strickland in the main event. Very, very stupid fight. <laughs> mm-hmm. The most middleweight of middleweight main events. Sean Strickland, the UFC's like premier incel edgelord. And Jack Hermanson, a kind of cool, not particularly athletic, uh, boxer grappler guy with, with some cool stuff that he does. So I think I'm going to let you lead the discussion on this one, Fanius. It's your guest. What do you think about this matchup? Um, I think uh, it's, it's very wonky. It's very middleweight because both guys, very flawed despite being like, like around the the elite level for the division, I would say, but it's it's a cool, interesting matchup because it's it gives us challenges that we haven't seen these guys face before. Um, so I think the the dynamic is that uh, Hermanson needs takedowns on this one. Uh, he could give uh, Strickland some trouble with here with all the circling movement and shit because Strickland doesn't really like like tracking down people he pretty much just follows people around has trouble with cagecraft but if they stand in front of each other I think Strickland's comfort in the pocket is is going to mark a a big a big difference between both guys I think Strickland boxes him up and, and breaks his confidence that's a thing that Hermanson despite having a lot of heart and a, and a lot of um, very good gas tank he has trouble when, when he has his confidence shaken for example in the Canyoneer fight so yeah it, it would be interesting to see if Hermanson can set up takedowns with his movement because Strickland as I said not very good cagecraft and he can get caught with with his feet parallel chasing a guy and 
but also Strickland has has shown us so far to be a, a pretty decent wrestler. So it would be interesting to see how he handles like a, an actual decent top player from middleweight and not welterweight. I think that the matchup trends towards Strickland winning just based on like pure comfort at throwing because it feels like Hermanson's going to be a lot easier to put off of throwing. And he's he has a lot of difficulty getting takedowns against people that are even easier to take down than Sean Strickland because Sean Strickland's not easy to take down. He's just like not incredibly diligent about anti-wrestling. He walks in squared a lot of the time. He kind of doesn't even have a stance a lot of the t- most of the time. Like he, he alternates between switching southpaw and orthodox so much that he, he just kind of stands square for half of most of his fights. I think that if Hermanson can really start putting on volume, he could annoy Strickland and get him moving backwards because Hermanson's got like a, a pretty okay boxing game. It's just he he has troubles tracking people down in the same way that Strickland does, but he's also way less willing to try and engage than Strickland is. So I think it's going to be Strickland making him fight, making Hermanson fight the entire time and probably finishing him in like the fourth round or so. How about you, Silas? I described Hermanson as a boxer grappler because he really does struggle a lot with clean takedowns. Like um, his entries just tend to be pretty telegraphed out from a pretty long distance. Um, he ha- is, you know, the case study of a guy who has a great jab but can't make it work against southpaws. Sean Strickland, as you say, is not a dedicated southpaw, but he will switch, but he barely has a stance. <laughs> like genuinely, like. Uh, he stands with his feet so close together and is constantly bringing them closer together to move around. To, um, I'm I'm not sure if him being southpaw is even going to pose the kind of issues that it normally does for Hermanson just in terms of getting his jab going. Um, I do think he is going to struggle to get Sean Strickland down, but he's a pretty devastating from top and an incredibly sneaky um, opportunistic submission grappler. Like he couldn't take down Kelvin Gastelum and it didn't matter because he just because he just heel-hooked him in the scramble, like, immediately. That's that's a thing that could work against Sean Strickland, just given, him, like, the ways he tends to scramble to his feet when he uh, when when he is put on the ground. Like, Usman had him in a front headlock for, like, for like two minutes, but Usman's just not the guy who's going to sit back on a crazy arm and guillotine and just choke you out instantly. Um, and Jack Hermanson, I think he's a guy who... You can struggle when he gets his confidence shaken, but at the same time, that only tends to happen against like really devastating athletes like Jared Cannonier, like Tiago Santos. I don't think Sean Strickland's really that guy. And Jack Hermanson is a guy who he won't necessarily come up with new solutions, but when shit's not going his way, he'll just bite down and just try the same shit harder and keep going at it. So I don't I don't think he's just Sean Strickland's just gonna be able to shut him out of his game. But I tend to agree that um, there's just the wrestling defense and, as you say, the comfort in the pocket is good for Strickland. Like, Strickland just really strikes me as a guy who's just done, like, shitloads of sparring and just has this weird style that he's figured out to to kind of look after himself. It's the classic uh, young veteran style. Yeah. Uh, to me, yeah, it's the young veteran stuff. To me, the impression that I get from Strickland is that he used to spar, like, in a very crowded room. Yeah. So... So that's why he's 
his his raincraft is not very good, but his confidence in the pocket is very high. He he just stays very calm, even when his defense fails him. He just stays calm. He knows he can take a punch, and and the footwork in in small spaces is surprisingly good. When he's staying in the pocket, he can take angles. Um, he can pivot around pe- people, uh, so it's it's a bit deceiving because we usually see him um, just following people around aimlessly. But but he can be surprisingly good um, when when people stay in front of him. Uh, the thing is that Hermanson usually not the kind to stand in f- in front of somebody unless he feels like he's losing and he he resorts to that against um, Vittori, for example. Yes, in, in the first round against Vittori, he gets dropped by Vittori stepping to the outside and throwing a left straight, which I could kind of see Strickland just doing that over and over. Uh, because uh, it's easier to get Hermanson on the fence than you'd prefer in this matchup, because Strickland isn't good at cutting the cage off, but he's insistent on walking forward a lot of the time. And someone like Hermanson, if if he does kind of get put off and, and scared toward the fence, he could get tuned up a lot. The other thing is that uh, Strickland, when he starts getting annoyed with uh, with a guy like just running away, like Jotko did, uh, he starts going like to Plan B, and his Plan B is usually kicking, and he's surprisingly good at kicking as well. Like you wouldn't expect that from a guy that's so diligent about boxing, but he kicks very hard, has good setups. So, but also, the kicks could open the possibilities for the takedown. I mean, Hermanson, as you guys said, uh, not great at entries, but he can be very opportunistic. He has um, an explosive shot. The finish is not great, but he can make something out of that, I think. Okay, so you guys both picking Sean Strickland? Yeah, I'm picking Strickland. Uh, um, I guess uh, Hermanson's tough enough to make it to that decision. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm gonna pick Strickland TKO four. Well, I, I, I think I think I'm gonna go with uh, Hermanson to get the sub. That's fair. He's very in the fight, despite a lot of the matchup seeming to tend like trend towards Strickland. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. It's it's not like I mean, it's kind of easy for me to pick Strickland, but I don't think um, Hermanson has like no shot. Quite the contrary. Yeah, like Strickland, though he is comfortable in the pocket, he is not mechanically great in that that space. He mostly just pulls his head back a little bit and turns his face away from his opponent whenever someone starts throwing at him, and he just like puts his hands out. If Hermanson was more built for countering that type of defensive liability, then I would be more confident in Hermanson, but I'd have to see it before I, I picked it. Okay, so Puna Halo Soriano versus Nick Maximov. The co-main event is mainly the co-main event because Nick Maximov is a Diaz protege. Puna Halo Soriano is a really fun fighter, but it's just not an especially interesting matchup to talk about. So, so we're going to go to the next fight down, which is a welterweight prospect match between Shavkat Rachmanov and Karsten Harris. Uh, Shavkat Rachmanov, really uh, a guy who a lot of people have pegged as the next big thing in welterweight. Seems like a little bit of a sidestep for him, but Karsten Harris, he's a fun banger. He's dangerous as fuck. These guys are both crazy finishers. It should be a fun fight. What do you What do you guys think about Shafkat Rachmanov? Rachmanov looks interesting, uh, but I think there's a lot of like things we don't know yet, especially at this level of competition. He seems to be a very solid wrestler, uh, very strong in the clinch, but I think it's he's a bit passive in there. Um, he waits a lot for like big knees, but doesn't have a lot of setups. He's very opportunistic though. 
Uh, the boxing looks good. The thing that uh, worries me about Ragmanov moving forward is that he doesn't move his head a lot. Um, he seems pretty stationary, has good feet, has good footwork, but he can get caught in the he can get caught in the pocket by a, by an explosive puncher. And yeah, he's an incredibly tall welterweight, and he fights like one. Yeah, uh, Harry is um, not great mechanically, but throws very hard in the pocket. So interesting to see how Ragmanov deals with that. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be an interesting fight to see just because Shavkat hasn't fought anyone with a similar type frame to him in the UFC yet. Like, he fought Michelle Prezeres, who was <laughs> 55 inches shorter. And it, it you could tell, like, the size was such a, a difference maker in that fight. I want to see him against someone with a similar frame to him. And Carlson Harris, even though he's a lot different... In practice, it, conceptually, he's kind of the same. Like he, he wants to get a finish in transition and try and fuck you up on the feet. It's just Shavkat's a lot cleaner on the feet. Yeah, in a general sense. Yeah, Shavkat definitely the more thoughtful technician of the two. Definitely a lot more process driven. Um, he's he's just a pretty well rounded offensive threat basically everywhere. We've had to see him deal with some adversity just in terms of people who can actually put him in bad positions in the ground like on the Russian regional scene and those are things that he was like dealing with calmly and competently in fights where he was like 19 years old so there's definitely some things that he has to round out but I am cautiously optimistic about uh, Shavkat as a prospect at welterweight Carlson Harris on the other hand he's tremendous fun but he's he's kind of a mess he's kind of the classic Brazilian I'm just gonna bang with you and then try and submit you guy yeah, he throws a lot of likes, very switch, uh, very fast switch kicks. Uh, he goes to the Dutch combos like, like he just dialed in and a throw with combos, and I think that's that can be a good or a bad thing. Can get can get ugly against uh, Ragmanov because he's he's very aware out there. So if he starts doing the same combos time and time again, he can get countered there. Uh, the, uh, but I think the where he. Where he presents the more interesting uh, like challenge to Ragmanov is that um, he has a very good feel for catch and pitch counters. Um, mechanically, he's not great with his hands, but he's very fast and throws hard. So, and Ragmanov, as I said, uh, keeps his head in the center line a lot. So I'm curious to see if if this guy's bang eventually. Yeah, and in on the ground the. I feel like Rachmanov on top will be lethal. He has some filthy ground and bound. He gets really tall, throws full extension straights to the face. He hits the body occasionally from on top. He's just very dangerous at, at really hurting people from top position. And I'm not sure how Carlson Harris is going to react to that. Although I think he's he's going to try and neutralize a lot of Rachmanov's top game. He also like stacks a lot from top position, and that's something that like Brazilian guys um, with a, like more traditional BAA backgrounds usually struggle with. So, it would, so yeah, Ragmanov very dangerous from top position and the uh, brutal straight shots. See, I think it generally trends towards uh, Ragmanov, but I mean, it should just be should just be a crazy fun fight that is almost guaranteed to end in an insane dynamic finish no matter what happens. And if anyone at this level is going to be able to beat Rachmanov, it's Carlson Harris. I think he has a style that could annoy him if Rachmanov isn't as good as he seems to be. Yeah, I agree with that. 
So I'm going to pick Rachmanov by second round finish. I, I think I'm going to say submission. What about you two? I'm going by knockout, but yeah, second round sounds, sounds fine to me. Yeah, I think Carlson Harris might be competent enough of a, of a grappler that Shavkat leans more into the, uh, the top position, ground and pound. But yeah, we need, we need to see how Carlson Harris deals with that. And I, I just think it's going to be a great fight. So next up, we have, um, honestly, I think another pretty goddamn fun matchup between two of the top contestants on the last season of The Ultimate Fighter, Treshawn Gore and Brian Battle. So Christian, you actually watched... That, that entire season of the Ultimate Fighter. So I'm going to let you take the floor on this one. I think it's a very interesting power versus volume matchup. Uh, Brian Battle throws a, a lot of, uh, just a lot of variety on the feet, and he's very active. While Treshawn Gore is a bit more pared down, he kind of just sticks to jabbing with a super hard jab. He has a good check left hook. He, he'll low kick. Uh, an interesting thing going into the matchup is I have not seen a fight by Treshawn Gore where he isn't injured because apparently for his entire Ultimate Fighter run, he had an injured knee that is re- eventually led to being why he pulled out of the Ultimate Fighter finale in Brian Battle originally fought someone else that Treshawn Gore had knocked out on Ultimate Fighter. So it's it's a cool matchup. It's I'm going to pick Treshawn Gore by knockout because God has chosen him. There is no way that he could possibly lose uh, it's not God's will. Uh, what about you two? Uh, yeah, I do think this is a rough one for Brian Battle. Um, he's pretty fun. Has like like pretty weird, varied shot selection. Um, but I think just the fact that he seems to want to play the outfighter a lot of the time and doesn't really have the ring craft to back it up. And Treshawn Gore is just like he he's more consistent. Like he he has some pressure tools. And he's just, he's way more athletic. Like you say, he only throws a few things, but they're all incredibly fast and just have serious authority on them. Whereas I think Brian Battle, um, he he can hurt people with his strikes, but I think definitely has, he has an issue that he'll just like throw while moving backwards so much and just not really be able to consistently put himself in position to sit down on his shots. So he just doesn't, I don't think... I don't think that's going to like be able to scare Treshawn Gore off. I think he's probably just going to chin him in the pocket at some point. Yeah, um, I think uh, the interesting part, I, I would say, it's battle like keeps a very high pace, and you can tell Gore is like patient and pressures, pressures, but without throwing much. So it would be interesting to see. Um, you should. I think Battle will clearly like try to circle on the outside because, as you guys said, he tends to do that. But the volume, it's interesting. Uh, Gore moves a lot in the straight lines, back in the straight lines. And uh, Battle, like, throws a lot of preset combos. He he doesn't put much thought into it. But but tracking down someone that, that backs up in a straight line can give him some openings. Other than that, yeah, I mean, Gore is it's more powerful. It's, it's cleaner, technically. So... It's hard. It's hard not to see Battle running eventually into a huge left hook. But this should be fun because, I mean, not a huge fan of Battle uh, style, but but he puts on a very high pace and that makes for good fights. And I, I think that even though they're both inexperienced in number of fights-wise, they both kind of fight beyond their years. Like, they, they fight as if they've had a lot more seasoning than they have. Battle less so because his style just... It, it's 
a type of style that shows your inexperience more than gores, where gore just needs to be a physical force and come towards you and put power on you a lot of the time. And I, I think it's a matchup that's kind of hard to predict exactly how they're going to match up before, but after the result, I think it will be pretty easy to dissect why things happened the way they did. And then I'm picking Treshawn Gore by second round knockout, probably left over. I mean, we all picking Treshawn Gore by knockout. I think I'm going Gore too, but but battle if it if it gets ugly, battle has a very decent shot. I think battle's very in the matchup. So next up on the card, we have another fun action fight this time in the featherweight division between Julian Arosa and Steven Peterson. Julian Arosa is kind of one of my guys. Like he's just like king of the journey, man, and I mean that in like the most loving way possible. This is his third UFC run. And he's been sparked out a million times, but he also like absolutely outclassed Paddy Pimblett on the regional scene and uh, subbed Sean Woodson, who like people were super hype on as a prospect at the time. He's the only guy to finish Charles Jordan. He's a genuinely like just very multi-layered offensive threat with his kind of just like janky pressure boxing game and like a wrestling game where like the entire end goal is just to get people to stand up into a dash choke, which he's very good at. Um, so I fucking love Julian Arosa. What do you guys think about this matchup? Yeah, I mean, both guys are kind of similar in that they're like, like journeymen that have like overachieved lately, I would say. Um, I think this is, this is Arosa's fight to, to lose, really. Like, Peterson is very scrappy, but I don't think he will like the the height at all. Um, Rosa pretty decent uh, as a defensive wrestler, and Peterson's top game and scramblers is where where he's the most dangerous. So, other than a meme finish like spinning back fist that we've seen Peterson throw, um, I think Rosa holds like big advantages, uh, especially on the feet throwing volume being long. He's going to annoy Peterson and he hit him very hard very often. Yeah, Stephen Peterson definitely not the kind of guy who I think is going to take advantage super early of the fact that Julian Arosa just kind of doesn't have like a boxing guard in the way that like we saw Sung Woo Choi from the first exchange and their fight was just like i'm just gonna close the door with left hooks every time and it just worked in like a minute um yeah because show is fucking huge and has very good punching mechanics pearson it's both shorter and not a big puncher yeah and i yeah i think it's a little too passive and will concede space a little too freely i think we'll we'll mostly just get pushed back and pretty badly fucked up by a rosa and maybe dash choke what do you think christian I think the only reliable thing about picking this matchup is that it's going to be very fun because Steven Peterson will bring a fight to you kind of no matter who you are. And Julian Arosa will always be down to throw back and he can get pushed back by Peterson, I'm sure, but he's, he's pretty competent on the back foot. And I, I, I'm not really, I don't have a great read on Steven Peterson because he's, he's just very standard. He's kind of just a guy, right? Yeah. He, he, he does. He's just the most MMA fighter, MMA fighter I can imagine at his level. The other problem for Pearson too is that he's mostly like a, a clinch wrestler, and I'm not sure you want to spend time in the clinch with with Rosa. <laughs> like yeah. he's very dangerous there. Yeah, he's got a great tool man clinch game. Uh, yeah, and I just think, um, yeah, just with the the level of experience Rosa's had, having spent just so much time being a, a regional road warrior, and 
the sneaky, well-rounded game he's developed in that time. It's the thing that, like, it, it works for him and it gets him a lot of success pretty much just up to a certain point of athlete that he that, that you'll hit in the UFC that he, that he just can't beat. I don't think Steven Peterson's that guy. Yeah, Peterson is not the level of athlete or technician to really to really make uh, make light of the flaws of Rosa and picking a Rosa by second round knockout. I think I'm gonna go Rosa submission. I'm gonna pick Rosa by first round su- submission. All right. Well, we all picked him. He's definitely gonna get sparked out in the first minute now. Uh, so next up in the bantamweight division, we've got uh, Miles Johns versus John Castaneda. This is a kind of puzzling matchup to me um like miles johns is like a pretty damn good athlete and he, he's mostly just like a, a takedowns and swing huge bombs guy and um since it seems that his takedown game hasn't really translated to the ufc level he's been leaning more into just being a huge power puncher and it's been working out okay for him in his last couple of fights john castaneda is Kind of not athletic at all. He's just like super scrappy. Will bring a fight to anyone. Has some ideas as like a as a, as a southpaw boxer. Can do some takedowns. Um, but he's just like a he's like a small bantamweight. And like Nathaniel Wood is a is an okay athlete for bantamweight, but he's not an elite athlete. And he just like outgun John Castaneda in every conceivable dimension. Castaneda seems like an okay athlete, but he's like, he's played by his mechanics. He's very wonky. Um, I think he can, he can put uh, power behind his punches, but he needs like very clear openings because he's not very sharp uh, in the technique department. He's very, very scrappy. He can do it all, but, but yeah, I mean, he's lacking that kind of specialization to to make people pay he doesn't have like a strong suit to take people to take uh, fights to um uh jones is is also like a a would a well-rounded guy but he is he knows how to play to his advantages like with the with the boxing he's he knows he punches very hard so he puts combos together he stays he keeps a decent guard in the pocket and and i think that will give some trouble to Castaneda, who likes his big openings after a guy's swing. Uh, the thing with, with Jones is that he's starting to to find like useful tools with the... He has a very stiff jab. He like he kicks the legs super hard. And it's, and in, the, in his last fight, he started going to the body like crazy. And that's all the, the kind of stuff that make like scrappy guys like Castaneda like... Like think twice before entering the pocket, especially because he doesn't have the mechanics to to hang in there with Jones. If I, I'm not sure if Jones' gas tank can can make it to to very hard to very th- hard three rounds. So Castaneda is that that's the place he actually thrives. So that's that's the path I see for Castaneda. But it's a rough fight for him, I think. I think that it's a fun matchup. But it's kind of hard to gauge how Miles Johns is going to approach it because in his first two UFC fights, he fought very differently than he fought in his most recent fight. And he seems to not even necessarily fight the matchup, just be feeling a different thing each night. His last fight seemed like he really had a game plan. He attacked the legs in the first round, went to the body more in the second round, and then took out the head in the third round, which was cool. But I don't know if he's liable to go for that in all of his fights. And he's 
Johns is susceptible to being kind of negative on the back foot if you really start putting volume on him, but his defense is competent enough to where he'll he'll pick off some of your shots, while Castaneda is more willing to fight his opponent's fight if that's what his opponent's forcing him to do. Like, Eddie Wineland was walking forward the entire time, so Castaneda was willing to just chill on the back foot and try and find his openings, whereas Nathaniel Wood more wanted to have an open space kickboxing match with him, and he just let Nathaniel Wood do that. Or maybe didn't have the tools to stop him from fighting however he wanted to. So I, I think it's uh I think it's a fun fight, but it's inherently hard to pick the matchup because they're both liable to fight however different way they feel like on the night. So I'm gonna pick John's by decision. Yeah, I mean I'm interested just to see how the pace dynamic works out because I feel like John's, if not pushed, will keep a pretty like mid pace he'll he'll be more passive and like wait for his big shots i feel like castaneda might struggle with his cardio down the stretch but is also more likely to push a pace on miles johns that's going to force him to fight in a way that could make him tired um, i still think it probably trends towards a late miles johns knockout mostly just like the the athletic difference is, is pretty rough and, and as you say like castaneda's mechanical issues I'm not a huge fan of Miles Johns' punching mechanics either, but he swings big old fucking badonkadonks, and when they land, they can take people's head off. So I think that's probably going to happen at some point. Okay, so the last fight we're going to cover from this card, the featherweight matchup between Hakim Dewodu and Mike Trezano. Uh, Hakim Dewodu, a pretty interesting like Muay Thai and kickboxing crossover who had a little bit of a rough start to his uh, UFC career, and has been performing very well, but like kind of just beating people, but pretty clearly and coming away with split decisions and just like can't seem to quite get the push from the matchmaking. Had a reasonably competitive fight with uh, Movsar Evluev, who a lot of people think is, you know, one of the most promising prospects at featherweight right now. Um, and then Mike Trezano, also kind of just, he's kind of just a guy. Um, do you guys have much of a read on Mike Trezano? Oh, Trisano, very, very decent striker, you know, very, very long, works behind a stiff jab, he's feigning a lot of the time. Uh, I think he has a very, a very good process, but I'm not sure the depth is there. And that's where, where I think he'll, he'll find trouble fighting Dawadu because Dawadu has to, has the depth in, in prolonged uh, striking exchanges. He's very good at catching kicks, at weaving under punches, come up, coming up with counters. Very good eye for counters too. Like if he's if he sees the the body of the legs available, he will attack there. Uh, will be interesting to see because Dawadu is a very slow starter and Trisano starts fast with the jab and the straight punches and he pressures. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see Dawadu versus this type of matchup because it really is like a good test for both, because Trezano, it feels like the UFC's kind of setting him up to lose to Dawudu, but I don't think it's going to be as simple as that. I think Trezano is going to be very annoying for Dawudu, mostly with his length, of course, and uh, he, he fights a lot like his frame would make you expect. I feel like you can look at Mike Trezano and be like, oh yeah, he, he fights this way. Like, he, he, he jabs, he, he kicks pretty long, and on the ground, he's he's very noodly, and he's he's hard to like keep in position. He's he's good at getting to different positions quickly. And I think Dawadu is going to 
probably focus on shutting down Trezano's jab early because he does seem to be someone that will prepare specific tactics pre-fight. Like against Julio Arce, he took away Julio Arce's head kick with low kicks like immediately. He was very diligent about that. And Trezano is also liable to try and take away his opponent's offense, but more with defense. He wasn't really countering Ludovic Klein as much as he was just blocking the head kick and then Klein stopped throwing it. Yeah, so something I find interesting about that is, um, of course, Mike, Mike Trezano is a pretty competent boxer. Um, he's been a Tiger Shulman guy for a very long time, which is a good boxing for MMA gym. Um, and but I do think uh, Hakeem's low kicks are going to be a, a big issue for Trezano establishing his jab. And I think this is also going to be an interesting dynamic because um, Mike Trezano being a Tiger Shulman fighter, this is the thing that I've noticed in a bunch of. Uh, Tiger Shulman fighters fights recently is that um, so a tactic that I talk about often is um, closing distance behind lead teeps if you're having your jab taken away because the lead teep is essentially the jab of the foot it's a long quick pretty non-committal strike that's both offensive and defensive um, allows you to jam entries and keep distance while also like closing distance without having to jab and then opening up other offensive options. And uh, Tiger Shulman has his fighters do this, but he always has his fighters do this after they've had their leg absolutely shredded by low kicks. And I'm just interested to see if that's going to happen here. (laughs) Because surely if this is a tactic he's aware of, it should have been something that he would have prepared his fighters fighting Edson Barboza and Pedro Munoz for. And then they get into the fight and he's like, yo, he's low kicking the shit out of you. You should start lead teeth. <laughs> it, it always happens. <laughs> so that was a bit, bit of a tangent, but just, uh, yeah, something that occurred to me. Um, but yeah, I pretty, I pretty much think that um, just Hakeem has a more dynamic and well-rounded striking game. Like he's more committed to pressure. He won't throw that much when he is pressuring, but like will really try and get his opponent into checkmate positions to fuck them up. Um, he's also just pretty dangerous in the clinch. Which I think is going to be like useful for nullifying a lot of Trisano's boxing offense. Um, I th- think it uh, leans towards Hakeem, but Mike Trisano can definitely do some do some annoying stuff for him in this fight. Yeah, that would has the uh, he has that demeanor that he like the young veteran that if he feels he's like outclassing you, he he will his content with staying out with staying in that pace and not pushing forward. And and maybe like Trisano can get like some sneaky volume going on and and make Dawadu lose the fight without him realizing. Um, what's concerning for Trisano, as you said, that uh, Tiger Schumann guys, uh, a trouble that they had, I think, is that um, they they have smart use of kicks and they are good kickers technically most of the time, but but they they don't have like a very deep kicking game and that's something that Dawadu has i mean if Dawadu starts being tipped to the body he will address that because he knows how to parry tips he knows to counter kick and that's a skill set that most MMA fighters do not have and, and i think the, uh, that's where you really see the like genuine kickboxing and muay thai experience in in Hakeem yeah because usually at MMA's guys you start kicking and they they just block and do nothing about it, but Dawadu is very quick to to address the kick. He can catch kicks, he can parry, he can counter kick. So that's where you see that, oh, this guy had a, a kickboxing career prior to this. I'm going to pick Hakeem the decision machine by decision. 
Yeah, me too. I like Hakim a lot, and I'm, I'm picking by this him by decision as well. Okay, well he's good. He's definitely going to get club and subbed in 39 seconds then. Hopefully not. <laughs> no, let's go, Hakim. Um, so that's all that we really had to talk about. Fenio, is there is there any any of these guys you 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 want to? You think people should keep an eye on? I mean, Shidi Njukwani is back in the UFC. Or was he ever in the first place? I'm not sure, I but... no idea. But he's a fan kickboxer, and he's, for, he's fighting uh, Marc-Andre Barriol that is not very good, not very athletic, but very, very scrappy and smart. So that should be a, a sneaky, fun fight. Not great, but, but fun. And other than that, I think we covered everything that's interesting. To be honest. Yeah, I am just really still just uh, reeling from the loss of Sam Alvey versus Phil Hawes. That was going to be the real main event. The people's main event. Okay, so I'm just getting breaking fucking news that Brandon Allen is stepping up late notice to fill in for Phil Hawes to fight Sam Alvey. And we we had to hit something on this real quick. Uh, C- Christian, well, what's going to happen? Sam Alvey, Southpaw, Backfoot Masterclass incoming. <laughs> he's gonna he he's gonna make like think about boxers throughout history that are fantastic on the outside, like Pernell Whitaker. He's gonna make Pernell Whitaker look terrible. Sam Alvey is is a, the best Southpaw boxer on in the sport. I mean, I can do my exact bit that I was gonna do about Phil Hawes, where I'm just gonna say it wouldn't be the first time. Brendan Allen got dismantled by a patient Southpaw counterpuncher. Just, just saying. Um, Sam Alvey, also pretty fucking hard to take down. Um, but no, I mean, Brendan Allen's probably, probably just going to kick the shit out of him, right? Yeah, I think he's going to kick his shit in, but you never know when, when that ugly as fuck right hook is, co- is coming. So. <laughs> Sneaky right hook. It is his only punch. <laughs> This, this masterful works. right hook. Sometimes. That lethal right hand by Sam Alvey. Also, also like Sam Alvey is very good at putting people to sleep uh, on the clinch. And I'm not talking about like hitting big strikes. I'm I'm talking about just telling people to death. <laughs> yeah, he he is the the best staller. In particular, stalling while his back is against the fence. Yeah, so. I mean, Usman Usman should be grateful, like. Sam Alvey's not at welterweight. Yeah, and he should also be grateful for Sam Alvey setting up the blueprint for how to really <laughs> fight on the back foot. Okay, so uh, my actual pick is Brendan Allen by knockout kind of whenever he wants to. I'm going to say first round. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Sam Alvey has been looking like just as durable as ever, so... I'm guessing it's like a three-round shit-kicking and, and Alvey gets very mad that the the judge just didn't give him the fight. Okay, so last couple of things that I just wanted to mention. Uh, last week, we previewed the one championship uh, 70 kilos kickboxing Grand Prix. Uh, the fights between Chingiz Alazov versus Joe Natuat and Sitachai Sitsong Penong versus David Kiria. And uh, Chingiz Alazov sparked Joe Natuat out in like a minute. Uh, the speed edge was a, a big thing, but also just like his ability to throw really dynamic combinations and would force Natuat to throw back and he would throw back in single shot counters and Chingiz Alazov would just be ready to to pull back and counter, counter in the next layer. Just murdered him with a left straight in the first minute. 
Yeah, I think the, the the cool thing about Dalasov is that he was putting this insane pace, like he was throwing all the time. But but what he was actually looking for uh, was the counters. So he would throw very long combinations, and the moment um, he was getting hit back, he he would came back with a very calculated counter. That was very cool to see. Um, obviously, very dexterous kicker, and was taking advantage of that too. But but yeah, the, the crazy combinations, the base and the counters was what caught my eye. Yeah, it's it's very rare to see someone at that level of kickboxing be able to, or not necessarily rare, it's just uncommon to see it look so aesthetically pleasing for someone to throw a three-punch combination, end with a kick, and then wait for his opponent to try and counter, and then step out to an angle and counter him and knock him out. And he, he came out and just blew him out of the water. Not, dropped him twice. Second one finished him. I, I think Chingiz Alazov is uh, tremendous fun. He's like, he, he, he's like what, uh, what Giga Jukadze wants to be. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then in the main event, Sitachai absolutely just took Davi Kiria to school. Um, it was a guy he'd beat twice before. Clearly had his number. Davi Kiria is a very good fighter. But he's a bit rote and not that adaptable, and he like barely landed on Sitachai. It was it it was a genuinely stunning performance. Um, Sitachai's just his ability to uh, use his jab from southpaw, like mainly as a defensive tool to just keep the fight at a range where he could just absolutely kick the shit out of David Kiria, and Kiria's kicks would just, like. He he was trying to compete with the kicks of Sitachai, but it, it, it was just not possible because Sitachai was just constantly picking them off and leaning back out of the way of them and countering them. And um, yeah, he just uh, opened up all of his offense as the fight continued. Like, jab opens up the left straight, which opens up the high kick, which opens up the right hook and the knee. It is be- He's a beautiful man. If you're a southpaw, you want to learn to fight good, watch some Sitachai because this fight really showed why he was just one of the greatest fighters in the history of this division. What do you guys think about this one? It was classic City Shell, like doing all the all the classics, like like making his opponent believe that this is a low pace fight, but he was always annoying him with the with the jab, with the low kicks, and then the counter knees were, were great. Um, and yeah, the, the kicking technique was and the kick the kick defense too was out of this world. Um, yeah, I mean City Chai is a guy that. When he left kicks you and it lands on your guard, it just fucking moves people around. Yeah. Kiria is not a guy that's easy to shut down his offense, but Sidichai has kind of done it like three times now, which is just so impressive because Kiria, he's a guy that if you can shut him down, you can really shut him down. But most people can't do that. Sidichai is the guy that's just shut him down three times now. So impressive. And he's he's a very bare bones southpaw, and he was beating him up so badly that he started fucking around in the last thirty seconds. Yeah, this is because you know last week I described Sitachai as just like like really deep application of just like basic day one shit. And in the last round, he was like he, he went for the first wheel kick I'd, I've ever seen. Was doing like jumping round kick in in into a to like a somersault kick. It looked awful. He was just he was having the time of his life. It was, yeah, it, he it was, was dope. He was having so much fun there, and all with the with the smallest expression of all time. <laughs> so yeah, um, Sitachai versus Chingiz Alazov. 
should be a great fight in the final. I'm pretty sure that's a rematch because everything is a rematch in kickboxing in this division. <laughs> Everyone fights so much. Um, but that's going to be a fun fight to talk about when it rolls around. Fanyo, where should people find you online if they want to come scream at you? Um, if you want to complain about my, my back commentary, um, I'm on Twitter. It's at uh, Fanox Sky. So you can talk shit to me there. Okay, so that's everything for this week. Uh, as always, if you guys enjoyed this content and all the other great content that the Fight Side puts out, please consider supporting them on Patreon, where there's a huge library of fantastic analytical content and a great Discord server full of cool people who are fun to hang out with and know lots of stuff about fights. Um, also, leaving us a good review on your preferred podcast platform really helps out with the visibility of the podcasts. Yeah, uh, catch us next week to recap all the action from this UFC card and talk about UFC 271, rematch between Rob Whitaker and Israel Adesanya. Should be a good one. Catch you guys later. Peace. Peace.